Hello there. I'm Patrick Strzok, and welcome to M&A Masters, where I speak with the top experts in mergers and acquisitions, and we're all about one thing here. That's a clean exit from your M&A deal. This week, I'm joined by Terry Hill. Terry is a managing director in BPM's advisory practice. He's responsible for leading the firm's CFO service line, supporting middle market companies. Terry, welcome, and thanks for joining me. Thanks very much, Patrick. Glad, uh, glad to be here. Well, great. Uh, a lot of people think that financials on a company, that's business 101, and you know it's so fundamental and basic that I think people overlook it. The analogy I like to use with financials and the financial infrastructure of a company is kind of similar to a roof on a house, where if you're building a house, you're going to go ahead, you're going to be sure to have a good roof on there, and you know if you're like us in California, we're always worried about having solar panels up there. But you've got something that's up, it's functional, you don't really notice anything until something goes bad, but it stays stable for a few years, nothing happens, and then all of a sudden you get that Cat 1 hurricane or major, major storm. And any weaknesses or oversights that you had on the roof, even though it's performed up to then, all of a sudden those, those vulnerabilities get exploited. And it's the same thing with a company and their financial infrastructure. You know, the owners and the founders, they'll set it up, it's running, it's viable. But the owners, they're, they're concerned with operations. They're concerned with generating revenue, market share, getting their story out. And, it, and when they come to a point where they get to a merger and a, uh, acquisition opportunity, they've overlooked a couple of weaknesses that they may not have been aware of. And those weaknesses, when you go through an M&A financial diligence process, and, and you've seen these before, those can be like a Cat 1 hurricane, and they could be not only intrusive, they could be really, really painful. And that's where someone like you comes in. But before we go to that point, Terry, tell me, how did you get started in working with M&A in general and with CFOs in particular? Yeah, and it's funny. Uh, we certainly don't wish any of these owner, founder, professional CEOs uh, harm, but there's nothing like an M&A process to, to strain the roof, as you say. Um, yeah, so my background's funny, a little bit checkered, actually. I, I, I spent 15 years as an entrepreneur in lower middle markets, so I founded a business, and then I ran someone's business, um, and those two things together ran about 15 years. And now the last seven or so, I've been in the I'll call it middle market consulting space, excuse me, with a large emphasis on on middle market buy side and sell side M&A. Not, not to interrupt you on that, but with, when you say middle market, give us a, a range transaction value just for context. Sure. Yeah. Uh, enterprise value kind of in the 20 to 1 billion, 20 million to 1 billion range, very roughly. And the lower middle market tends to span 10 to 20 up to a couple hundred billion. Okay. And then your your expertise is guiding CFOs. How did that come about? Sure. The last five years or so of my consulting experience has been, you know, running practices that are comprised of well-heeled CFOs who themselves have a fair amount of capital markets, um, finance, accounting, and M&A experience. And my go-to-market strategy has been mostly focused on the uh, on both the sell side, buy side with the ecosystem of investment bankers and, and private equity firms. So, um, you know, our our folks in the practice will embed themselves into these companies and support one end of the transaction or both. Um, and we can get into a little bit more detail about what that means, but with the sole purpose, 
to your previous point of trying to, to lead this thing through to a successful exit and for an owner founder um, CEO for for a successful exit with a maximum enterprise value. Okay. Well, in in your years, uh, the transaction value of the deals cumulatively, cumulatively that you've hit now is you've surpassed a six point five billion dollar threshold. So congratulations there. Definitely makes you an expert in M and A. Why is it so important for people to understand? And this is, excuse the simplicity of this answer, but or question, but. Why is it so important for people to understand their company's true financial condition? Sure, and I think I think as it relates to M and A, it's 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 helpful to understand kind of how we got here today. And I'll spend a few seconds on that. Um, you look at uh, decades of M and A activity, private equity firms and other buyers on the buy side maturing, raising uh, higher and higher levels of of actual funds. I think. Most recently, we had a fund, a single fund, closed for 15 billion U.S. So just staggering amounts of money, and and that creates this enormous amount of of what's called dry powder overhang, which is which is essentially available money to spend on M&A transactions. Cash ready point, to burn, yes. It is. It's over a trillion dollars now, which is a huge amount of money. And 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 colliding with that, we have this this cresting wave of baby boomers who in one manner or another, are going to be seeking some form of succession slash partial or full liquidity event. And so as these two forces collide, the good news for someone on the sell side is that they're in a extremely good position. This this amount of capital and the relative scarcity of, of lower middle market and middle market M&A targets has created a very strong seller's market. So good news for these sellers is that the condition should put them in a position to feel empowered to be in control of the process. With that said, the irony of being a lower middle market company is in most cases, you haven't gone to great lengths to invest in your finance and accounting organization. And that's completely normal. But when you run up and sort of years forward to an M&A deal, it's extremely important to have the company, I'll call it investor ready and due diligence ready. And there are there are several parts to that, but it, it centers solely on the robustness and the, I'll just call it the proactivity of the finance and accounting organization and its ability to provide data to what will likely be a, a handful of buyers, all with different mandates and all with different due diligence request lists that are extremely invasive to your previous point and extremely detailed. So it's extremely important to have uh, a good underlying handle on the finance and accounting state of the organization. And maybe more importantly, where there are items, where there are weaknesses that a buyer should, should know about in advance. Okay. The environment is just right, as you say, for sellers or, or owners that are looking for some eventual exit because there's a lot of money out there to spend. There are a lot of buyers out there, uh, you know, theoretically. So, hey, everything's perfect. Why should I have to do anything? It's almost as if I have a, I, I have a house in a highly desirable neighborhood. Now, I haven't done a thing to update it in the last 40 years, but you know what? I'm in Beverly Hills, and so who wouldn't want to pay me top, top, top dollar just like the two neighbors down the street from me? 
and and that's kind of that that myopic view that that they have. Terry, what do you think separates the the people, the owners that are successful in getting either a valuation or the multiple they're, that they're looking for, while others that seemingly think they're in the same boat they struggle? Yeah, I think I think as, as you expect um, for for our work, there are a couple of things that tend to recur and tend to appear over and over and over. I think that the thing I find that works best and that I find recurs in successful transactions are, one, someone who's just generally prepared, and that that usually entails a decent amount of work to organize data, finance and accounting data, and other, I'll call it customer and vendor-related data that all is going to be required during a sell-side event. I also think that for, again, if we look at the lower middle market, and this, this lower middle market is a, is a high area of focus, partly because of the, the, the entrepreneurs, these baby boomers I talked about, as well as the fact that over decades of private equity and strategic acquirer M&A, some of the larger M&A targets have just simply been picked over. So this lower middle market has an extreme amount of focus on it. And in, in these companies, it's, it's just critical to have um, the level of organization, the level of preparedness, and I'll just call it the level of proactive, proactivity to be able to uh, support, respond to, and provide uh, confidence in the buyers when they're looking at these at these targets. And, and the best example is is the curbside appeal, right? If you pull up to a home and it's got brand new paint, it's been beautifully landscaped, you're going to be a little less likely to check some of the pest report than if you come up to something that's just clearly dilapidated. Companies are no different. And I think that uh, a company that's invested ahead of time into some modicum of organization and preparedness, and that can be all the way down to the tactical side of literally creating a data room or at least having folders and files organized in a way that could be data room ready. And the data room in this case is the usually cloud-based location where a seller will store all their information and then buyers can request additions to and access these files to do their own due diligence. So that, that preparedness is extremely critical. So it's a little bit more than just updating the QuickBooks and having copies of your last couple quarters of statements available for somebody. It it really is. Um, And and there's a whole other conversation about strategic and financial buyers and their desire to have uh, certain levels of systems behind all of this, whether it be a full-blown ERP or just a better GL system. Um, We'll take that offline. The other thing I would mention is that uh, for the owner-founder, one of the greatest risks is that they get distracted for for the, t- the duration of this M&A process. These processes are often going to last you know, six months plus at, at least and ex- be extremely intense. And what I have seen time and time again is, especially if the, if the owner-founder has a predilection towards technical things in nature and is, is intellectually stimulated by new things, they are often distracted by the process, and they will let their their foot off the gas on running the business. So I think one of the things that I have seen get in the way of a good transaction is the owner, founder, CEO, 
doesn't continue to run the business and there are problems with customers or vendors or revenue, you miss a quarter for your revenue projections, all of those things can uh, can create havoc with with a deal at all or at least uh, are opportunities for a buyer, an otherwise interested buyer, to create a concession in the actual price of the deal. Um, the, the last thing I'll mention is, and again, back to these lower middle market companies and, and owner-founders, is this is a this is a, a hugely personal decision to to do something with the business to make some sort of transition happen, whether it be um, a full full blown exit or a partial liquidity event or some form of management buyout. All of them create an enormous amount of of emotion for the the owner founder. This is their baby. They they've often lived in this company for 30, 40 plus years, and I think it's extremely important for the the individual, the family, the people around them to have gone through, I'll just call it a, a bit of a personal discovery process, how, how much money is enough, right? What, what does an enterprise value translate to my take-home proceeds as a person, and is that enough to retire to? Um, you know, what, what will I do when I am retired? Do I go play golf? Does my significant other want me around the house or not? These are all... Um, they sound funny, but the, I have seen uh, a number of of owner founders sabotage deals sort of at the last minute because of of underlying fears of the uncertainty. What am I going to do when this is all over? You have those. So those are a couple examples. Yeah. Do you have those types of conversations with them? At the, it just it, it's got to be kind of an opening co- conversation to have. Uh, uh, we absolutely do, and I think one of the roles we tend to play in these sell side M&A transactions is helping remind an owner founder that when they embarked on this journey to sell or to, to find a financial partner or, or achieve partial liquidity, it made perfect rational sense then. And even though it's been four, six, eight, nine, 12 months and things have been extremely difficult and they've gone up and down and they've had buyers drop out and new buyers approach, um, it's still a rational, good decision. And we're here to support. They've got other professionals here to support. And again, it's a it's a seller's market. So feel empowered, feel at least comfortable that you've got, wouldn't call it the upper hand, but you have leverage that you may not otherwise think you do. With the service like this, obviously it's not free and obviously it, it really varies on, on the length and depth uh, and scope of services. But talk about the impact for what kind of return or cost benefit comes in from bringing in an outside specialist like you that focuses on the CFO position in, in specifically, but also the, the corporate financial structure, you know, now and beyond. What's that co- What's that benefit uh, that they get, you know, in, in terms of the investment that, that needs to be made? Sure. And it's, it's, it's the right question, right? I think that like all professional folks that are involved in these transactions, we're, we're not going to get hired unless we can demonstrate that we're there to help make the transaction go through properly without failure, as well as create some ROI. So I'll give you an example. Um, with a pretty traditional middle market business who is selling on a multiple of EBITDA, as opposed to a consumer or some software tech companies that might sell on a revenue of, uh, excuse me, a multiple of revenue, let's let's focus on the EBITDA side. If in our work, 
and in the adjustments we're creating and or the value creation on the operational side, we help a customer find $250,000 of EBITDA improvement with a five times multiple or a six times multiple, right? That is, that is well over a million dollars of, of enterprise value. So the math is fairly simple. It's difficult to say exactly what each project will yield, but it's extremely common for us to drive the enterprise value of some of these businesses, you know, up by seven figures plus. And I think more important, shorten the cycle of the sale, bring a better process to a larger group of buyers, which, as you might expect, creates tension and uh, competition and a time, a sense of time urgency. All of those things are good for a seller, um, all aimed at, at maximizing the enterprise value yeah. and, and with a high level of efficiency, right, where we're, that focus on the enterprise value tends to align itself well with our effort and the efficiency of our effort in supporting the company uh, who's selling. Wow. So it's one of these, you know, environmental impact uh, that you make where everything that you want to go up, uh, demand for the company, which will increase the valuation of the company, which will increase the the ultimate price of the company. Uh, you know, all those things go up. The amount of time to market uh, or in market goes down, and I you didn't mention it, but I I I'm sure it can't be understated. Is the amount of stress goes down, and then I I think that stress is an an issue where these are very emotional processes. The the people that are involved, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of millennials that are listening in as well, and they've poured their heart and soul for a year or two into a venture, and you know they, they they're not missing out either. But you've got people that put 30, 40 years in, and they've they've had to deal with all those bumps and bruises and bad clients and bad experiences. You know, they they've had it, and to take that away. I think you can't put a price on that. And I would say that a lot of these middle market owners really appreciate that. They're at the age and the experience level. They can appreciate when you reduce that kind of thing. And so that that's something that really can't be understated. Um, no, you're and, right. And I, I'll say one last thing, which is we, you know, one of the most rewarding parts of these projects is, is seeing the sense of accomplishment, sometimes relief, uh, when that deal closes um, in the faces of these owner, founders, professional CEOs who, who are, at the end of the day, ready for the transition and uh, extremely grateful that the transaction succeeded. Let's think about those folks out there that they're facing what I would like to call the back nine of their time with their companies, where change is coming, they see it, it's not imminent, it's on the horizon, and they're coming to grips where something is going to change. And for those folks that are looking at it, they may not be aware that anything's wrong right now, and there may be nothing wrong, but you know, if they were to, to reach out, what, what's the number one piece of advice you would give to these owners as you know, they're looking down on the horizon? What's the one thing that you'd want to make sure they knew about or thought about? Yeah, it's very simple. You know, get, get, get outside help. I think there are uh, some extremely competent, uh, very professional, very talented professionals in the M&A space across functions, finance, accounting, legal, insurance, and others that are going to help this person, these teams, get through a deal and get to the enterprise value they want. 
Um, so do, do not fear getting help. The costs are one-time costs. They're allocated as such. They do not affect the EBITDA margin, so there's no fear there. And the team that has gotten the business this far is very often just not quite the right set of folks to get to the exit. So get outside help. Uh, leverage the people you have. Uh, one thing we find is that even though we're embedding a CFO into these businesses, we value the senior accounting manager, the controller, the CFO has been there. They've been there often 10 or 20 plus years. They, they have a ton of institutional knowledge that is vital for the sell process, but if they haven't gone through an M&A process and they haven't been there, done that, there's a great peril to a successful deal. Yeah, there's definitely, there's a difference between running a business and then running an M&A transaction. And, uh, those that are can appreciate that difference and identify it, they're the ones that are best served that have the best outcomes. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. Terry, is there anything that I missed? Anything you you think that uh people should know, need to know? I, I don't think so. Wrapping it up, I think look, lots of lots of money to spend from buyers. There's good targets out there. Sellers should feel emboldened that it's a good market to sell. Get help help will help you get to the enterprise value and a timely close that you want. Well then with this then Terry, I'm sure there are going to be, cause this, we can be here talking about the ins and outs of financials for companies and all these different uh, scenarios and so forth. We can go on for hours, but uh, for people that have specific questions, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, simplest way is is to just jump on Google and type in my full name and the firm name. So Terry Hill BPM and and or call my my phone 415-288-6244 and I welcome I welcome a conversation. Fantastic. Well, Terry, been very productive with this information. I'm sure there's a lot of depth that uh, people would like to get in on this and so We'll look forward to uh, talking again. You take care now. Thanks very much.